Squad, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest installment in our new regular, The Ranking, a cross-platform extravaganza that bestrides both Empire Magazine and the Empire Podcast like a big old colossus. The premise is very, very simple. Every month, four Empire writers get together and argue the toss about a series or a particular filmmaker with one goal, coming up with a definitive top 10. This month in Meeting Room 5C, we are chatting about the real king of New York, the man... With the greatest eyebrows in show business, sorry, Noel Gallagher, the goodest of all fellas, Martin Marty Scorsese. And here to talk all things Marty with me over the next hour or so are three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Terry White. Hello. Hello. Ian Freer. Hello. And Dan Jolin. Hiya. How exciting. This is exciting, isn't it? It, it is. is. I mean, you've kind of given away some of our secrets by letting on we're in meeting room 5C, <laughs> the most glamorous of meeting well, rooms. Well, I kind of wanted to explain away the slight difference in sound quality from normal Empire podcasts. It was smooth. It was smooth. I, I, I liked my... Uh, I like the way I covered it up. And also I can cut it out, so yeah. I don't have to say that. Uh, please, so, leave, please leave this in. I will leave this in. I'll leave all of this in. All of it's, it. It's like all an interrogation it. room in here, actually. I could, I could imagine sort of like a bad cop coming in and kicking a chair across it and glaring at me angrily. Uh, people will glare at us angrily because we are surrounded by glass. People can watch us hmm? pontificate and argue over the next uh, hour or so. You, you know, should have been here for the Stephen King thing. It was boiling in here. Really? Yeah, we were down to our undies, under under ruse by the end of it. Oh, God. Ooh. Yeah, but I've had them turn the heat down. Don't worry, it's all yeah. good. It's all good. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Martin Scorsese in this one. Um, you know, let's, let's start off with a nice, very, very simple thing. He's he's pretty good, isn't he? He's all right? Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> if, you, if you like good films. If you like amazing films. If you like good films. Uh, what was your introduction to Scorsese? When did we first, when did Marty Scorsese, I'm going to call him Marty all the way through. I've met him once, I'm, I'm, I'm entitled. When, when did we first meet Marty, Marty Scorsese? When did we first bring him into our lives? Uh, I first met Martin Scorsese. Uh, I love Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, and they were movie brats, and he was one of the movie brats. So I was reading about him. And um, my dad, I was 13 years old, and my dad put me in an overcoat and took me to see Raging Ball to try to get me in at the ABC Holloway Road. It didn't happen, but we tried again and again and again, <laughs> and eventually I saw it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an early adopter, well, a relatively early adopter of Martin Scorsese. Okay, so do you remember the first one you actually got to see? Uh, yeah, Mean Streets would have been on, on, on video. Okay. Yeah. Mean Streets. That's a good start. Uh, Terry? Well, so um, no hiding in overcoats, trying to get into the cinema. Actually, I only did that once for the delinquents. Um, okay. And um, I was only a year younger, but and I, this is totally irrelevant, but I had, um, I had a massive perm done because I thought perm would make me look older. And I got in to see the delinquents <laughs> Wow. Delinquents had, and Scorsese. That's the yeah, first time they've exactly. ever been mentioned in the same conversation. So I... Um, I got into Scorsese via my brother, which is actually how I got into most violent films. I think um, I've spoken <laughs> on the podcast before about my love of violent movies. And actually, Goodfellas was the one I first saw. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, weirdly close followed by Cape Fear. And I have a big love of mobster movies and uh -huh. mafia movies. Um, and so I absolutely... I mean, Goodfellas as well, the soundtrack... Um, completely hooked me in. Um, I'm a big fan of girl groups of that kind of era, 60s, 70s music. So I fell in love with so many things about that film and I will tell you them in great detail when we go on to that. But that was <laughs> that was my introduction. I think when I saw Goodfellas, I must have been nine. Okay. All right. And then uh, yeah, blew your socks off. Absolutely blew okay. my socks off. Danforth. Well, my first Scorsese movie in the cinema was Cape Fear. 
Did you uh, did you sit in front of people smoking a cigar and laughing yeah. loudly at everything that happened? Yep, and I went home underneath the car. <laughs> um, I wasn't actually. It wasn't. It, 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 I wasn't really massively aware of him at the time. I kind of. I don't think I was yet fully formed enough as a, as a film lover to to really be following directors as such. I just thought the film looked quite cool and went to see it, and didn't actually enjoy it that much. Mm. Really oh. enough, I found it. I found it quite quite. Uh, I didn't. The styling of it, I found too uh, too overblown. Have too, you re- too have you revisited melodramatic? Uh, yeah, I've seen it since, and I'm I'm not in love. I'm not in love with it. I'm not in love with that film. I have to say, um, uh, but really the one, you know, the, the one that, that made me fall in love with him as a filmmaker was Goodfellas. Duh. Uh, I remember all those Goodfellas adverts in the Marvel comics. Do you remember? There was loads of Goodfellas ads in Goodfellas ads in the Marvel comics when I was reading them. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodfellas was all over Marvel. Are you talking Marvel about the pizza? Comics. No, <laughs> definitely the film. Definitely. Are you film. sure about that? Well, maybe my mind's can sort of like converging two different things in a weird way. But that's, what, that's what my memory's telling me now, right okay. now. But you're not, say, maybe confusing Marvel Comics with Empire Magazine, which came out a year before Goodfellas mm. and was certainly instrumental in introducing me to Marty. No. Maybe it was DC Vertigo titles because they were for mature readers. Yeah, I wouldn't have imagined that. You yeah, I think it was advertised DC, an yeah, R-rated Vertigo. film. Uh, but then I didn't see it for a bit after that. Okay. So, so Chris, you got into it through Empire, did you? I think I got into um, Scorsese for, for Empire, but I, my first memory of a Scorsese film is seeing the trailer for After Hours attached to a VHS copy of something. So probably Terminator or Aliens or something like that. And just being, oh, I want to see that film. Uh, yeah. So I think I saw Scorsese films before I was aware of Scorsese. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, you know, growing up as a film fan, you're aware of Taxi Driver. Yeah. But I'm not sure that I was aware of Scorsese in the way that I was aware of, you know, Semeckis and Spielberg when I was when I was growing up. So I think I saw After Hours and The Color of Money before I knew who Martin Scorsese was. Right. So probably the first Scorsese film that I saw knowing who Scorsese was, it probably was Goodfellas. Because I was it was in that sort of sweet spot and I had parents who were really, really laissez faire with what I watched and so they didn't mind that I was, you know, thirteen or fourteen when it came out in VHS. I just I just rented it and watched it. So it probably would have been that. And then from there I I have very, very strong memories of watching Taxi Driver for the first time and thinking, you know what, this guy's pretty good. Hey, from for me he seems to be the filmmaker's filmmaker. Does that seem does that seem fair? He seems to be. Yeah. If you asked most directors, I would say, especially you know, to canvas living directors, to you know, their favorite living directors, I would imagine the most. If you ask Spielberg or Jackson or Edgar Wright, who were the real influences on them, you know, it would be Scorsese. Yeah, Spielberg maybe not because they're kind of contemporaries, but yeah, of course, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think. But most- I mean, I mean, not not influences in terms of Spielberg, but certainly who's the greatest living filmmaker? I think if Spielberg could recuse himself from that conversation. He would say. Marty Scorsese. Yeah, I think most 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 directors would say that. Yeah, I mean yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino. I'm just thinking of you know great great younger filmmakers that you probably wouldn't have if it hadn't been for Scorsese. Yeah, I think he still influences filmmakers today. I think he's um, as arguably as relevant to young emerging filmmakers as to the generation you're talking about. Yeah, well. Ben Wheatley yeah. and yeah. yeah mm. Do we think that he's uh, he's still producing? A work that's on a par, a par with his best work. Do we think he's you know he's in his seventies now? Do we think he's still as as vital and as driven as he was? I mean, recently he's made The Wolf of Wall Street and Silence, and he's making a film at the moment that I um it's it's the film I'm most excited about this year that doesn't have a cape in it, and it's <laughs> The Irishman, which is you know De Niro and Pacino and Joe Pesci and and the the big one, Bobby Cannavale. We're all excited about that. 
And I just ca- I can't wait for Scorsese to return to his roots and, and, and make a movie with De Niro again, because that's the partnership. It's like, you know, that's, an, that's another thing that I grew up with. I was really obsessed with partnerships. I was really obsessed with Carpenter and Russell and Raimi and Campbell and, you know, people like that. And so the idea that, you know, here was this actor and director who worked together, what, six, seven times in a, you know, in a row, made some amazing, amazing films together. I was really excited by that. And so they haven't worked together since Casino. And so I'm fascinated to see how they slip back into it. You know, I've enjoyed the, the films that Scorsese has made with Leo DiCaprio, but for me, they're not a patch on anything he made with De Niro. Necessarily. No, and that's, that would be the same with his, his recent output versus the seventies and eighties output. You're talking, you're, you're comparing them against the greatest films <laughs> of the past 40 years, aren't you? Taxi so, driver, raging yeah, bull. Mean streets. It's so hard yeah. to do that. So it's on, I think it's an unfair comparison to put off of wall street, you know, you're better to put how was how does Wolf and Wall Street compare to what was out that year? Yeah, it's pretty much better than anything that year. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny because when I was looking at the going through last night, looking at the top ten, Wolf of Wall Street is definitely in there, but okay. it's but silence. I, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Silence, I didn't particularly love, uh-huh. um, and but I loved Wolf of Wall Street, and that felt mm. for me. In, I know what you're saying about comparing kind of apples and oranges, but by the same token, it felt like in the same vein as all those um, Scorsese films I'd love the most, and felt you could I could see a thread from Casino, for example, and from Goodfellas through to Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. Um, but since then, and as you say, The Irishman is the thing that, and you have to hope with those partnerships back. And what do the, what do those partnerships look like now? What does the partnership with De Niro look mm. like now? De Niro hasn't necessarily. Um, spent the last few years making his greatest work, <laughs> if I can say that. Um, Have you so, seen The Intern? <laughs> yeah. I talked to somebody about The Intern the other day, and I'm like, what? My main question is why, and my secondary question is why? Um, it's genuinely good. It's, oh, my it's God. Good. No, no, no. It's a Nancy Mayer's film I like. No. I, I don't understand. Oh. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited by that because I think, as as much as Scorsese, what that brings to De Niro at this point in his career, yeah, is really exciting. Hopefully, hopefully, someone who will challenge De Niro. Yes, I think De Niro, hmm. the odd film aside, and the odd director collaboration aside over the last 10, 15 years, and he probably would even admit it himself. You know, he he probably doesn't put in the hard yards for Dirty Grandpa. But he will put in the hard yards for the Irishman. <laughs> yeah. So, also, it's Scorsese returning to that milieu, isn't it? That yeah. kind of going back to gangsters and crime, and, and that's always exciting, isn't it? And what does that look like in modern? Because that's what I loved about Wolf of Wall Street. That didn't feel like an older generation filmmaker trying to make a film. Because even though, obviously, it, it wasn't set today, it kind of felt like a, moder- a thoroughly modern film. And I think that's what's exciting, is what does that world look like through Scorsese's gaze now yeah, compared yeah. to the 70s. I thought well, Wolf Wall Street was astonishing. I mean, it was as exciting as anything being made by any, you know, exciting upcoming filmmaker mm. at the time. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, because I've, I've, I've done my I've done my 10 and done it quite instinctively with lots of scribbling out. Yeah, but okay. half of it yeah. is films he's made since Wolf Wall Street. So, no, yeah, <laughs> since 2000. <laughs> so since, since, you know, since the start of the century. Really? Yeah, five films since the start of the century. Okay, so let's see. So you have... Don't tell me you got Hugo in there. Do you have Hugo in there? No. I liked Hugo. It was sweet. No, it didn't... Uh, no, it didn't It didn't uh, massively impress me. It's how I got to meet Marty Scorsese, because I hosted a press conference for that. So I have a soft spot for Hugo, hmm. uh, which is why it's number 11 in my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it is. It's, it's a director trying to explore new tricks and do new things and, and you know, trying, uh, trying to hook up with this new funky technology that the young kids are, ta- are all talking about. But mm. I'm not so sure that, you know, I would have thought that a 3D movie from Scorsese might have been more of an event. It might have felt more more vital in a way and it it didn't really for me but I just thought it's a film about the kind of the birth of cinema and the, the love of cinema and I didn't really feel that from it much yeah it didn't really work for me Hugo okay but uh, since 2002 so what else is on there then don't give away your entire top 10 I'm going to give away my entire top 10 well, obviously The Wolf of Wall Street we just said yeah. um, Silence is on there uh, I actually really love Silence okay um and it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's really sort of stayed, stayed, stayed with me, a lot of the imagery in it. And I just, yeah, it's, I thought I could understand why a lot of people didn't like it because it's quite hard work as a film. But sometimes I like a film that's hard work. Mm. Uh, and I thought Garfield was, was absolutely superb. Definitely. And I thought as an exploration of something which has pretty much been in all of his work, but he's never sort of dive that deep I think in terms of really I mean you can correct me if I'm wrong but I'm feeling that I don't think he's ever really gone so deep in terms of exploring faith and the challenges of faith yeah, and, the, and, and almost the kind of the compromises spiritual compromise that you make when you commit yourself to you know an ideology so so firmly just if that yeah, kind of makes it's, sense it's that and obviously last temptation of christ to the films that mm. most with the idea of how can you be a human being and have mm. a spiritual life yeah which is, yeah. Which is what a rough thread that runs through all the films pretty yeah. much it's not as good as the last temptation of christ which is higher up on my list but yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i i i just thought it, i found it profoundly um involving actually so this this idea of uh, of spirituality and this idea of, of of faith being important and Catholicism being important to people as well, Kundun aside, obviously, uh, does run through his work. It's right right there from the off in Mean Streets. Uh, you have you know yeah, the, and, and before the church his, with, his very first film, Who's That Knocking at My Door, yes. is a, which is a kind of dry run for Mean Streets, is that story about a guy between choosing between the girl and faith and and that kind of thing. So I think you know it's it is the, the kind of the key theme if you want to get to grips with Scorsese. You think that's the key theme? Yeah. For me, where it intersects with the kind of reality of life is where I enjoy it. Um, so in things like Mean Street Silence, I find it, I just found it incredibly hard work. And and I, I, I'm kind of, have no problem with admitting that I prefer the much more kind of overtly aggressive, the, the very kind of action, not actiony, but the... Um, yeah, kind of vital. Yeah, and, vital, just, and there's yeah. lots of, uh, there's kind of lots of bloodshed, there's lots of, you know... Swearing. <laughs> films, swear, that, that's pistol kind of... Whipping. Pistol whipping. but I, and I found, I did see Silence and I know it was, you know, it was a big hit with most of, of Empire and I did, I found it incredibly hard work and there, there is obviously the the subject matter and the way he digs into it and starts to unpick it um, and the exploration of it um, I can see how that's all really interesting and how that fits in with his work but I want a gun and somebody being shot yeah. and, and, call, and call music yeah I want to yeah. call music like what's wrong with you guys yes. last temptation of Christ yeah Harvey Keitel as Judas come on <laughs> that's just genius <laughs> I love that, and also I like the way that, that, that like Judas is like a hero in the Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, mm. it kind of he makes the point, right? Okay, you wouldn't have like Jesus being Jesus if Judas hadn't done what he did. He was the best of the disciples. <laughs> <laughs> he rocked <laughs> by giving him up. He enabled Jesus to, you know, become yeah. a martyr to to become, you know, the great symbol he is to so many religious yeah. Christian people. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So 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 yeah. I mean that that was fantastic. I thought. So, is Goodfellas the best one? No, 
Yes. Yes. This is about our age, isn't it? I think <laughs> about where, where we saw where we saw our first course. Get with it, old man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, 1990, dude. It's boxcar Bertha for Ian. Yes, obviously <laughs> boxcar Bertha. For me, it's Raging Bull, which I think is mm. exactly the mixture of kind of seriousness and vitality yeah. and filmmaking brilliance and performances. That I don't think he gets better than that. Interesting. Can I just I, shock absolutely. you? I like red wine. Um, uh, yeah, Rage of Bulls just on my list, but I don't think it didn't connect with me the way that I thought it was going to. Right. So I, you didn't try to get into it wearing an overcoat when you were thirteen. Did yeah, you? yeah. <laughs> that is, that's the pivotal difference between all of us. I think. I, I watched Raging Bull. Remember, there was a thing in Empire a few years ago. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but we did a feature where Empire writers wrote about the film that they had overlooked. Yeah. That somehow it's My Secret net. Shame. My Secret Shame. That's what it was called. Thank you, Dan. Um, and mine was Raging Bull because despite being a big Scorsese fan and a big De Niro fan, and indeed, as I said, a big Scorsese slash De Niro fan, I'd always avoided Raging Bull and I don't really know why. And then when I Black watched and white. it... Black and white. <laughs> no superheroes. Yeah. Not even a hint of a lightsaber. Yeah, I, I, for some reason it just didn't really appeal to me. And uh, also, my, my like my boxing movies with with robots and and Russians and people running up mountains and montages. Uh, and so, oh. <laughs> and so I saw this this movie and I admire it and I like it and clearly it's important for Scorsese and feels of a piece with you know with with Mean Streets and Casino and not Casino but Goodfellas and it feels very much of of uh, you know in that world thematically in that world. But I still didn't love it, if I'm honest. But I, I put it down at my 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 top ten, just at the very very bottom. Because my memory is when when Goodfellas came out, it was seen as the flippant one, the kind mm. of not the serious one. My first Scorsese film, as it were, is yeah. that kind of it felt flippant. And then really, Casino felt like a rip off mm. of Goodfellas. Yeah, massively. Yeah, but even now, I think I mean, both of those their kind of critical reputation has improved massively, especially Casino. I think people love mm. Casino now. Yeah, I love Casino. Yeah. Well. I mean, Goodfellas is my number one and Raging Bull is my number two. Um, And and I know exactly what you mean about Raging Bull. So I've always admired Raging Bull. I actually read the memoir um, first, which is a fairly prosaic... And actually, this is what I think is magnificent about the film. Um, It's a fairly prosaic memoir of Mm -hmm. kind of a middleweight boxer of a certain age. And, and, you know, it's not... It's a fairly typical boxing story in some respects. You've got the kind of ups and downs you'd expect from a boxer of that range, um, the stuff in his personal life. I think Joe Pesci is astonishing yeah. in Raging Bull. The, the naturalistic performance he gives and the kind of glimmers you see of what he then goes on to become. Um, and my appreciation for Raging Bull has grown over the years. And um, it's probably in the last 10 years that I've really grown to absolutely love it. And I think when, and also obviously there's the whole thing about what Scorsese was going through um, in yeah. his own life and the professional kind of ups and downs that he'd been through and mm-hmm. um, and how this story came to be born and, and how that, and you feel that I certainly feel, um, and I know obviously all the stuff about divorcing the art from the artist, but I certainly feel that weight um, carried with the film. And I find it now incredibly emotional. I last saw it at the pictures, I think six months ago. At the pictures. At the pictures. In 1953. <laughs> and, yeah. And I just found it astonishingly moving. And then Goodfellas, for me, I mean, it's just... 
everything about that film is magnificent. And bizarrely, I interviewed Henry Hill before I... be Well, so I interviewed Henry Hill when I worked at a men's magazine that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> and I remember, because I'd obviously had this connection with Goodfellas since being a kid, just being so excited to talk to him. Right. Um, and he was everything... All of the, the narration in the film is very close to, like, actually um, how he uh, talks in real life. And that film is just so rich and so... I mean, the the, the my love of music and film, I think, has a lot to do with Goodfellas. When you think about uh, Walking in the Sand and that playing when they're digging up Billy Batts' body and the, the, the intelligent, constantly surprising use of music in certain dramatic scenes in Goodfellas, for yeah. me, is just absolute pure... Yeah, Eric Clapton. Who uses genius. Eric Clapton like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolute <laughs> genius. Scorsese's uh, record collection must be off the charts. Can you imagine? His Spotify playlists must be insane. Yeah. If he has Spotify. I imagine he does. Yeah. He he introduced you to, to new songs and new bands. And yeah, he's like the cool brother that you never had. Yeah. It's so much fun, Goodfellas, it's as well. The pace, it's I mean, so the pace fun. of that movie yeah. is remarkable. And I always, I feel like now it's really kind of cool to be like, to kind of diss Goodfellas and to act like yeah. it's is almost, it? it's almost like the populist, easy Scorsese. Who does that? You, is it millennials? Do, do millennials do that? It's probably millennials. Oh. If you're listening, millennials, it's all your fault. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's a mass, it's a masterclass. Um, and I mean, Ray Liotta, who has uh, never been more amazing. Who, yeah, yeah, who was he? I mean, and, and who is he? But then... Yeah, but the scene when he's chasing the police helicopters, and that yeah. ho- that yeah. whole sequence is is astonishing. And it is. I've, sometimes I wonder what the deal is with ITV4 because I swear to God, I turn it on and eighty five percent of the time I turn on ITV4, right. Goodfellas is playing. Have you just switched over my TV too with Hot Fuzz? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I do think it is the single film I've seen the most, the highest number of times. Of Scorsese films or the film of, in your life? Of films in my life. Wow. Yeah. I've not, I've not seen it in years, actually. Actually, I had a conversation with, with, with Lucy, my wife, just the other day. She said, we need to see Goodfellas again soon. It's been years since we've seen Goodfellas, but it is mm. that kind of regular one we come back to. There's Goodfellas, yeah. there's Miller's Crossing, yeah, there's yeah. The Good, the Bad and the Ugly. You know, these films which are just like, this is Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. need to come back, watch mm-hmm. that again. Yeah. So how, how do we rate Casino then in relation to Goodfellas? Because uh, you're right, at the time I, people went, oh, he's just he's gone to the same yeah, well again. Yeah. I said that. Yeah. I said that. And I'm 100% that. I, I, saw, I saw Casino. I've only ever seen it once. It's I watched it and was so disappointed by it that, that by the end of it, I was just like, that was, you know, because it had been talked up. I mean, people I knew had absolutely loved it. And I was just, just watched it and felt like I was watching a, a kind of less interesting uh, Xerox, to use an Americanism. Of Goodfellas, uh, and 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 then I, I think I said this in conversation to someone once, and they and they went on a long rant about why I was wrong. So it's like, no, you're just wrong. And and after that rant, I I kind of was a bit petulant and thought, well, screw you, I'm never seeing it again now, and I haven't. Wow. So there you go. I've got that's all I've got to contribute to Casino. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I, I just think Sharon Stone gives it something yes. really different as well. That's that's you know this kind of macho world, and that's a really yeah. interesting portrayal of. Of a woman, which is quite, kind of rare for Scorsese. There's a few interesting ones, you know, Alice doesn't live here anymore, but, but really it's a male world. So to see her, I think really. You, you've got that in yes. Goodfellas though, as well. Like when, but when, no, when she but, takes over the voiceover and everything. Kind of, but she feels a bit like a cartoon character. Yeah, she's an archetype. To, I think yeah. I, you are bang on because, um, yeah. arguably De Niro and Pesci are playing very similar roles, right? Mm. But, 
I completely agree that Sharon Stone is the difference. He gets um, Scorsese is criticised a lot for his archetypal depictions of women, right? And yeah. she is the kind of shrill, jealous wife. Um, and the narration very much speaks to that. Like it's not, it doesn't feel to me like a credible narration. But Sharon Stone as Ginger, I mean that that depiction of kind of that pill popping woman. Mm. I just thought he'd actually done something really interesting and believable with that female character. Mm. Um, and as you say, pretty much apart from Alice, they're all from a male point of view. But I, and even though this is obviously from a male point of view, I thought that actually you had a really complex, interesting, vital female character, which is what I love about Casino, and which is why it's number three on my list. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I remember, some, I remember something about Casino. <laughs> The one thing about Casino I remember bugging me more than anything else was just the prevalence of voiceover, just the fact that it doesn't let up. It, and, it and down. Everything's everything's show and tell as a co- mm. you know, it's just like you're 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 having things explained to you that you could just just watch. And it really bugged me. I just found it really intrusive and, and really got in the way of the enjoyment. Um, I, am I just, I like am I just crazy? I know, I like that. You're not, you're not alone in, in disliking Casino, but I like the idea of multiple narrators, I like the way that Pesci and Stone just crash the movie at times. <laughs> I don't think De Niro's playing the same character at all. I think that, that uh, Ace... Ace Rothstein is a very, very different. He's more passive. Yeah, he, the, the, the plot mm. happens to him. He's a bit of a patsy in a, in a way. Um, uh, obviously, you could maybe say that, you know, Pesci's character, Nicky, is along the same lines as Tommy DeVito. Mm. Maybe, but I think he's trying to explore different things. And there's ideas about failure and success and maybe, you know, the way the, the American dream keeps imploding, which is something he keeps returning to, I think, and certainly in Wolf of Wall Street as well. Yeah. I love, I love Casino. What's what's the what's the movie on your list that might surprise people? Um, I have um, Alice doesn't live here anymore, which is okay. um, for me, and I, I am absolutely my gender has everything to do with me choosing this film. Um, so <laughs> um, I I actually think you could argue that it's a feminist film. I think it's really notable by the fact it is from a woman's point of view, a woman who. Um, struggles because she essentially is a non-conformist and doesn't want to kind of yield to society's ways. And and, and you could argue that that's actually about the outsider and kind of um, uh, free spirits and, and, and non-conformists generally. But I remember feeling like I'd stumbled upon something really special and really different. And Scorsese spoke to me in a different way as a woman through this film. Because you can't, I mean, you can't get around the fact that some of his um, depictions of women, Wolf of Wall Street, Right? They're not they're, they're kind of things with big boobs and, and long hair and vaginas. Um, spoiler. Um, but um, I think this, this... They have spoilers? They have spoiler warnings all <laughs> over them. But I think this... <laughs> so Alice, Alice, to me, feels... It felt like I discovered another part of Scorsese that felt like it was kind of just for me, even though it clearly isn't. But I... So you, are you slightly disappointed that he hasn't really explored that part of himself again for, what, 40 years now? I mean, do you know what? I don't... I don't know if I need him to. I think we have to be thoughtful. I think all filmmakers, no matter kind of what generation they're from, have to be thoughtful regarding how they portray women on the screen yeah. at the moment. I think that's just a given. But I don't need him to tell women's stories. Mm. But I really enjoyed him telling this woman's story. OK, so Alice doesn't live here anymore as a shock contender in... Uh, I've got a couple. Um, number four, my number six is uh, New York, New York. Okay. Which if people yeah. have never mm. seen, it's yeah. kind of a miserable la la land. Much <laughs> <laughs> like imagine. New York. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it's it's so full of the love of movies. Yeah, it kind of plays with that in that 
again, spoiler, it, the relationship doesn't kind of work out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And there was also that time when all those kind of 70s directors were getting their work dismissed for being egotistical and hubristic. And, this is 1941, is it? It's, but not it's, quite. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, uh, it, it's, in, it's in that vein. Um, but, but De Niro's brilliant in it. The form of it, the style is amazing. Honestly, it does knock La La Land into a cocktail. It's, it's stunning. Um, so that's a weird one on my list. I'm not going for The Age of Innocence, okay. which is 1993 uh, and uh, is a kind of a, a beautiful, tragic kind of a portrayal of a man who can't express himself. Daniel Day-Lewis, terrific. Uh, and uh, why has that one appealed to you? Because when Scorsese played against type, for me, I'm not always sure he grabs my interest, which is why there's no Kundan or Silence or or Age of Innocence on, on my list. Yeah. But then again, I'm a wham-bam, thank you, man. Uh, again, no Tony Stark in this movie. Why should I care? I just think it's ridiculously emotional, that film, without shouting about it. It's yeah. about a guy who's going against a societal pressure to be a man, and it's, again, a kind of Scorsese theme. And and mm. the place it gets to in the end is so moving. And Winona Ryder is amazing. She plays his wife, who's this kind of ingenue and seemingly very lovely, but she's absolutely scheming. She's mm. brilliant in it. And it's it's had a certain critical reevaluation as well, Age of Innocence. I do remember when it came out, people weren't falling over it. But again, over the years, it seems to me to become yeah. one of those movies that people kind of almost forget that Martin Scorsese directed. Obviously, now it's coming out on it's Blu-ray, the Criterion Collection. Yeah, yeah. so you know, there's no greater honor really for <laughs> yeah. a film uh, for the, for the Rock and Armageddon <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, to be joined by the Age of Innocence. What an honor for them. So, yeah, maybe it's now time to, for people to revisit that. Three hours, isn't it? I remember it being three hours. Yeah, just under three hours. Yeah, yeah. just under that. Okay. Uh, so, Age of Innocence. Dan, anything surprising on your list? Well, we've already talked about silence and the last sensation of Christ. Um, I mean, King of Comedy is my number two. Likewise with me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how surprising yeah. that is, but I mean... My number five. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, my number six. So, by process elimination, you can probably now <laughs> guess what our top yeah, tens are. Yeah. But, I, 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 it's, it's, I don't know. Is Shutter Island surprising to have on my list? I would say so. Because I thought that was great fun. It's terrific. It's great fun. It's yeah. Martin Scorsese's Inception. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I really enjoyed that. And it's got Mark Ruffalo in it. And, and everything is better for having Mark Ruffalo in it. Does he hulk out? No. You have my curiosity. Now you do not have my attention. Sorry. No, I, I liked Shutter Island. I didn't think it would be worthy of the top 10. But then again, I, yeah. I think, I think, and I don't know if this is purely guided by sentiment, I put After Hours on, on my top 10 yeah, uh, as well, which I think is a really interesting film. But there was a, there was a time, I mean, he made After Hours and then he made Color of Money. I think the Color of Money was his next movie. Yeah. Then he makes Last Temptation of Christ, which yeah. is obviously a very, very personal movie they'd be wanting to make for ages. Color of Money seems to be the strange, almost the odd one out amongst those. It, it doesn't really seem on the surface of it. Obviously, it's a sequel to The Hustler, but it seems to me, you know, Scorsese is someone who, we talked about this a little bit, stylistically, he may be second to none. And Color Money seemed to me to be a chance for him to A, work with Paul Newman and B, show off. Yeah. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, also, I think before After Hours, Last Temptation collapsed. Oh, did it? it? Yes, he, he was okay. going to make it then. So he just did a couple of things to keep his hand in, as it were, to keep making films. And so that's why he kind of did those. And I think they're, they're both they're both great, I think, especially After Hours. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, we've got this far and we've not mentioned his best picture winner. Just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I was on the set of that. You were? I was. Yeah. He didn't talk to me, though. He was too busy, apparently. Apparently he's making a film. The Departed. But that's, yes. <laughs> the that's, Departed, yeah, yes. in case yeah, you weren't, yeah. In case you weren't aware. Yeah. I... It's really good fun, but it doesn't hasn't really stuck with me. I don't think. I I felt like it was something he could do in his sleep. Yeah, 
Um, mm. And that's why I don't think it's it's not on my list and I don't think it, it kind of stuck with me, kind of like Ian was saying. Because um, it felt like all the stuff he does... Well, just like all the stuff he does, right? So there's nothing for, in it for me that kind of... Um, there's no singularity about it that I was like, oh, that, that's the one that does that and that sticks with me because of that, which everything else on my list, there's an, a big kind of moment or thing or there's a reason. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I was struggling to find a reason that that would be on there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it helps if you haven't seen Infernal Affairs. Yeah. Because I had seen Infernal Affairs, so it didn't kind of strike yeah. me as, 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 as hard as it could have done. But I thought as a reinterpretation... It was superb. And also, it's like Ian was saying earlier, if anyone else had made The Departed, you know, you would you would be going, what an amazing film, what an achievement. <laughs> yeah, but because yeah, it's yeah. Scorsese, you're like, yeah, well, we've kind of been here before, haven't we, Marty? <laughs> you know, so, all right, pretty good, but let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's get, get let's just, something else. Let's just write off that um, film. It has DiCaprio, Damon, Jack Nicholson, yeah, yeah, Alec Baldwin, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, Martin <laughs> Sheen, Fira Farmiga, Ray Winston. <laughs> Forget Ray Winston's in the film, for God's sake. Yeah. No, I mean, amazing I, cast. Amazing cast. Best I've ever seen Wahlberg. I mean, abs- absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and and Matt, Matt Damon is a bad guy as well. Which, which... Oh, spoiler alert. He's, he's really great in that, Wahlberg. He's, mm. he can, when he wants to be, again, I think it's a De Niro thing. Like when he does the hard yards, he could be really good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'd love the, uh, the... Well, this is definitely a spoiler. I love, I love Matt Damon's death scene in that film. Yes. That, that thing where he just, he just goes, oh, come on. Kind of, that's his kind of like, he just walks in the door. He's like, oh, really? Yeah. And I think I'd like, to, I'd like to think that my last words would be something like that. <laughs> it's, it's not dissimilar to the Goodfellas scene, right? Another spoiler. Um, yeah. Oh. the garage. Yeah. The although, moment, and he goes, oh, and he doesn't even finish the sentence. Yeah. yeah. He although gets one in the back of the head. It's yeah. a bit more, I think, I think with, with, with Pesci in that one, it's, it's, it's a bit more kind of like, Ang- there's more anger in it, but with with Damon in Departed, it's just a, it's, 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 he's a bit more tired. There's definitely a sense of oh shit. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's just like oh, all right then. Do you think people dismiss it because yes, it won Best Picture, but do you think it was the sense that oh, let's just give him an Oscar rather than it necessarily being the Best Picture of that year? And I really like The Departed, and I can't remember what it was up against. I think it was up against There Will Be Blood and and films like that. But yes. it, was it a lifetime achievement Oscar rather than necessarily here's a here's a best picture? Yeah, I think it probably was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but we we haven't mentioned Taxi Driver. Well, we mentioned it, but we haven't talked we, about we it. We haven't talked. Come, let's talk about Taxi Driver. Let's talk about Taxi Driver. Yeah, it's Go so on, it's so close to my life. You wouldn't believe how close <laughs> Taxi Driver is. To I actually <laughs> believe that the amount of women I've taken to pornography. <laughs> no, oh, look, it's it's cinema's best depiction of loneliness, isn't it? It's just amazing, and. Um, uh, and just stylistically, the, the end shot where he's kind of going over over the, the dead bodies, it's amazing. Mm. It's so good. When did you see it? Do you remember I, seeing it? I, I, saw, it, it, no, I, saw, it, I saw it as a teen, I think. I saw it when I was in my, my see as much Scorsese as I can period. And it's, mm. it's brilliant. And it stayed with me. It's something I will go back to regularly. Okay. I find it completely unwatchable. So I'm not saying it's a bad film, clearly, because that would be ridiculous. But I'm, I find it because of exactly what you're saying. It's the most exquisite and painful depiction of loneliness, the nihilism. I I find it hard to sit through the entire thing. Interesting. It's so bleak. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I, th- find I, th- it- I think it has a weird comic comic energy in it. There's a scene mm. where. Uh, De Niro's talking to Peter Boyle and Peter Boyle's talking rubbish and De Niro's just listening to him. Yeah. And that's really funny. And there's lots of little funny little things like that. It has Scorsese's darkest cameo, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just a horrible scene. Yeah, you see the woman in the window. Yeah. 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 
yeah. where do you stand on where do you stand on the end? Because you know, obviously, there's this great might as well spoiler spoiler alert. Fuck it. Uh, there's this great debate about the end shot. Is Travis hallucinating? Is he? Is it all going to start again for him? Is he even okay at the end? Is the end real? Well, what's your what's your what's your take on that? After uh, after the after his yeah. after the shootout. Yeah, I think it's real. I don't. I, I don't think it's a dream sequence. I don't think it's like that. Um, but I like that the ambiguity of it. The film's all about ambiguity, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. about yeah. not giving any answers to anybody, not spoon feeding anything. So I think it, it kind of it's a film that contains its own tensions within itself. And I think that's one of the things it's lasts so long. Do you think it's a? It, it seems to me to make a really perfect double bill with King of Comedy. Yes, it's absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. it is King of Comedy. Yeah. yeah. Both of which have contentious is that real, is that fake endings as well. As yeah, well. yeah. Um, yeah, which King, is brilliant. The King of Comedy is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I prefer it to Taxi Driver. Yeah. You know, I think, mm. I think, and I think Pupkin is a, a more interesting character and a better performance from De Niro right. than Bickle. I honestly do. And I think Pupkin's scarier than Bickle. Mm. Um, and I, but maybe. Because uh, because because Bickle was very much a, Bickle became kind of cool, you know, as as is an icon as a, as a character, um, and and feels very much enshrined in that time. I mean, especially in, like the New York of that time as well. I mean, New York is not like that anymore for you know good and bad in good and bad ways. Um, but Pupkin sort of still feels like horribly like. There are lots of pupkins out there, but they're all on like YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, it feels more permanent yeah. now. You know? yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I also, as a, as a study of obsession and, and, and fandom to the extreme as well, yeah, it's 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 really uh, quite chilling. But also, I, it makes me it does make me laugh. I mean, it's, yes. not, it's called King of Comedy. It's not necessarily a comedy, but it does make me laugh at yeah. times. I think some of his jokes at the end are quite funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're generally quite good. I mean, yeah. and sort of his father's alcohol had 2% blood in it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a really good line. Yeah. It's good stuff. If you yeah. went to the comedy store of an evening and you saw Rupert Popkin doing some of the material, you, you wouldn't feel the short change. You'd be all right with that. Uh, but De Niro's great yeah. now. I, and I love Jerry that. Lewis is terrific. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sandra yeah. Bernhardt is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I think it adds a real nuance to, you mentioned it earlier, in, um, Scorsese's kind of um, the, how he digs into the male psyche and constructs of masculinity and yeah. within society and all of that. And it and it feels like less of an archetype than, say, Travis Bickle or what have you. But actually, it's, it, it's maybe not. And actually, it's a different kind of male archetype and it's yeah. a different examination of masculinity oh you probably had a dozen twitter arguments with people just like Ripper Pupkin oh you have yeah. no idea it's yeah. the, it's the entitlement a isn't it yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably... One, one's a psychopath who yeah. expresses himself you know through violence the other one's just someone who's uh, is entitled to a psychopathic degree yeah mm. um, yeah. yeah it's also it's weirdly it's one of Scorsese's most conventional films cinematically it's shot yeah. it's shot a bit like a tv show in a way there's there isn't a lot of the kind of yeah. camera movement and operatics that you kind of ex- expect from him and that's interesting as well i think mm. did you know it's one of the reasons why it wasn't so well received at the time yeah i think but you want you want grand fireworks from scorsese and it didn't yeah. really give it to you okay so we're going to bring this bad boy home has he has he made a bad film no he's not made an uninteresting film all the films have cause of interesting things in them is Box Box Harbour for a great film? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. But I think it has interesting things in it. So for me, he hasn't made a bad film. Okay, interesting. Very, very quickly, favourite Scorsese characters? Travis Bickle is the one to me that, that absolutely stands out as a, as a single character. Okay. 
Any others? Or is that, is that, is that oh, no, it's, 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 yeah. all, of, all the films are great. But Johnny Boy, the energy of Johnny Boy in Mean Streets is astonishing. He's just, um, just to see him dancing to Mickey's monkey when he's trying, he's supposed to get in a car and, and drive away with the Harvey Keitel. It's brilliant. Mm. What about Charlie? You like Charlie? Oh, Charlie's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone wants a cousin like Charlie. He's just great. <laughs> we haven't really talked about that shot in Mean Streets, have we? The really influential shot where he strapped the camera. He strapped the camera to Harvey Keitel. Yeah. There's a kind of a brace. Yeah. 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 Or it's cartel on a platform. It's, I can't remember how he pulls that shot off, but either Cartel standing on a platform next to the camera and the camera moves with him or the camera's strapped he's to strapped, him. Yeah. The ca- I ready to strap the camera to his head. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's on a brace and it's kind of yeah. strapped. To yeah, there's an IMAX camera. It's massive. It's- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he's he's kind of struggling for a bar to rub a biscuit. I think the song's called. Yeah, uh, such a good shot. Yeah, you see it. You see it replicated so often by people. It's in yeah. you know, it's in Age of Ultron for God's sake. Every yeah. Aronofsky film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that the the kind of the Paul Hall fight is kind of replicate that kind of tracking shot is something that's come up again and again and again in his own career mm. and in other people's films as well. Let's talk about favorite shots quickly before we bring oh. Dan in on on characters. Um, Copacabana shot hasn't it? Yes. It's got to be Dan, hasn't it? Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Although top by Paul Thomas Anderson in Boogie Nights. No. <laughs> Hell no! <laughs> I think you'll find it was top of Charles Whedon and Adventures of Sam. Oh, okay, yeah, of course. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, it's a great shot where they're on top of the thing and then it goes from Thor to Hulk. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's an amazing shot. Dan, characters: uh, Rupert Pupkin, mm-hmm. Tommy DeVito, yes, and Judas. <laughs> Judas that's a, that's rocks. A, that's a joke, isn't it? Waiting to happen. <laughs> What about Jordan Belfort? Any 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 love for Jordan Belfort? Um, any love for the Quaalude sequence? Uh, no, I don't actually. I mean, he, I hate that character. He's he's a horrific person, human being. I mean, you know, ironic love for Jordan I Belfort. love the film. Yes. Oh, are you are you being ironic? Yes. Or am I supposed to? Well, love he's him? an awful character. Oh, I, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. It's too much irony these days. Yeah, sorry. It's about just that. it's very confusing. Too much irony in your diet, Terry. Um, so Tommy too, but also, and we haven't talked about this apart from you saying you hate it. I think you said you hate it. Um, in Max KD, so Cape Fear is mm-hmm. in my top 10 and I absolutely love Cape Fear. And I know what you're saying, but I love how pulpy it is. That's right up. Yeah. No, I just, and actually the thing is with Cape Fear, it's not a question of hate. It's more a question of I didn't gel with the style yeah. of it at the time I saw it. And I've, as I say, I've seen it since and I, I still find it a little bit distancing yeah I don't, know. I I find, I don't I hate it that, by any stretch though I found that character so compelling and pure t- I'll tell you what he mm. that character invokes more fear and terror in me than most other cinematic kind of bad guys I can think of and the scene with um, Laurie Davis where he's where she takes him back to her flat and he basically bites her part of her face off yeah. is that I remember seeing that and that absolutely floored me and I find I, I find that scene really hard to watch actually but um I just think you know the whole cigar thing, the whole, the weird Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, the, also he's very smart, Max Cage. Really it, smart. Yeah. Um, and the kind of psychological, the pairing of a psychological with somebody with that physicality who yeah. is only interested in torture, essentially through various different guises, emotional, mm. psychological. Yeah. Um, obviously, how he uses Juliet Lewis's character, all of that. I, yeah. I, I find that character really memorable, and it's, it's, and he for me makes Cape Fear one of my. Favourite Scorsese films. Interesting. See, Tommy DeVito is an interesting one as well because you, you, you brought him up as a favourite Scorsese character and certainly I think he's one of the most indelible Scorsese characters, but he, I don't, I don't like him. It's a bit like, you know, you with uh, Jordan Belford. <laughs> 
or everyone with Jordan Belfort, you you don't like him. I I knew people like Tommy DeVito growing up. The the people that yeah, you yeah, yeah. you know that's, the, that's the, why so good. That's the why hair trigger temper that you yeah. cannot you know what am I? And then he suddenly just goes off on one. Bullies. And that scene with Spider, you know, oh. yeah, is just extraordinary. I mean, it's an extraordinary mm. piece of acting and uh, a well-deserved Oscar for for little Joe Pesci. Although he should have got one for Lethal Weapon 3 as well, let's be honest. <laughs> so good. It's a so great good. injustice. It's a great injustice. They fuck you at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> there's always the Golden Globes. Uh, always the Golden Globes. And of course, and there's also the Empire Awards as well. Do not forget. Do not forget. They write the wrongs of cinema. Uh, very, very quickly, moment. Greatest moment in a Scorsese film. I'm only going to take one. I'm only going to take one from each of you. Ian. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> the opening credits of Raging Bull. Okay. Why? Which is, which is um, uh, Robert De Niro dancing around the ring to Cavaliero Rusticana, and it's pure poetry. Okay. Uh, for me, it's Mean Streets and it's um, De Niro's entrance with the two women. Okay. And the camera obviously freezes on um, Keitel and you kind of have the, the music come in and that, that kind of shot for me, particularly De Niro's entrance. Is- yeah, I, I want to change mine to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jump, jumping, jumping Jack jumping Flash. Jumping Jack Flash. The, the cutting yeah. to Jumping Jack yeah. Flash is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan. Um, God, this is hard. You can pick something from Shark Tale. It's fine. I won't tell. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to be really, really boring. And actually, it's the Copacabana scene. I know I was joked about Paul Thomas Anderson topping it, but I hadn't really seen anything like that before. Like, seen, you know, at that stage when I saw Goodfellas, I hadn't seen a a camera do that. Or I hadn't seen, uh, you know, a a scene built that way. Mm. Uh, And and also, it kind of gets you to the, you know, to the heart of the character and to the appeal of, of... being a gangster, uh, as as you know, as far back as he remembered, Chris, <laughs> he always wanted to be. I might go with the beginning of the casino. There's something oh, about that. Great. There's something about De Niro getting yeah. in the car, turning on the car, and then going into that great credit sequence yeah. as well. Uh, it just really stays with me. I mean, there's so many great moments that you could you could choose, but yeah, casino is such a. Is, that's a. That's how you start a film, people, and that's how you end a podcast, as well, uh, because that is it. That's it. Okay. Enough squabbling. Let's vote. That's it for our Martin Scorsese ranking podcast. If you want to know how our voting goes, how our top 10s all come together, and what the top 10 finally is, pick up the April 2018 issue of Empire, which is on sale now at all good and evil news agents. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Of course, uh, it is goodbye from Terry. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Ian. You're a mook. <laughs> <laughs> it's goodbye from Dan. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off home to fetch my fucking shine box. See you next time. Thanks. Bye.